It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. What is up, Buff Nation? Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast. We are, of course, presented by the American Raptors. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com, claim your free ticket for one of their rugby matches, or go ahead and stream all of their games at that website. Again, that is AmericanRaptors.com. My name is Jake Schwanitz. Today is Friday for the DNVR Buffs podcast, so that means we are going to be previewing this weekend's game. I lied, actually. It is still Thursday, late Thursday evening. Just wrapped up watching Utah and Washington State. The Cougars, pretty frisky at home, welcoming in the Utes. The Utes pull out the win 21-17. Washington State, with a chance to potentially win late in the game, they could not get the stop that they needed to get the ball back in time in the fourth quarter. We, of course, will get into that game and all of the Pac-12 weekend action on Monday when we do our Pac-12 recap show. But today, we are going to be talking to PHNX beat reporter Anthony Totri, He and I had a great conversation talking about this football game and some of the really striking similarities that both ASU and CU are going through in terms of their football program, where they stand within the conference and in the general landscape of college football. Both teams, of course, have interim head coaches and will be throwing out a lot of new tricks. Um, There's some uncertainty at quarterback for both sides. It's a really intriguing game in the lead up here. There's tons of content at ddmbr.com if you guys want to head over to the site and read what Coach Sanford and Offensive Coordinator Clay Patterson had to say about the game this weekend. There's an article on Wednesday from Tuesday's press conference from Coach Sanford. We also heard from Clay Patterson, or I got to speak to him on Thursday, or I'm sorry, Wednesday after practice. So that is all up there ready for you. There is also going to be another article up bright and early Friday morning for right guard Tommy Brown and his new partnership, um, or I guess not new partnership, his renewed partnership with Boulder based underwear company Shinesty, something that was talked about over the summer. But Tommy Brown making college football history, becoming the first professional underwear supermodel in CFB history. Some pretty entertaining stuff. Uh, Go read about what Tommy had to say about the deal and what Shinesty also had to say about selecting Brown for the deal. Before we get into my conversation with Anthony Totri, though, guys, I wanted to let you guys know about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Football season is back, and so is the NHL and NBA. You know Breck Brew has you covered with the hometown craft beer of the Denver Broncos, Broncos Country Pale Ale. It's a very crushable beer. Head on over to www.breckbrew.com. Use their beer locator to find all their great beers. It's getting cold in Denver. 
It's almost vanilla Porter Jr. season. Or if you're like me and just enjoy your favorites, you can find your Mountain Beach Sours, Strawberry Skies, and all their great beers at www.breckbrew.com. Also, big shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Tons of great deals going on at DraftKings Sportsbook this week with the start of the NBA season. There was a boost earlier in the week for Steph Curry to hit 20 plus points, boosted from minus 700 to plus 100. There was also a deal on Wednesday night for the Nets and Bucks game for KD and Giannis to both go over 20 points. Hit all of that up and more at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're stepped up same game parlays, tons of other great deals going on. Anthony and I actually talk quite a bit about the lines towards the end of our interview. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DMVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, guys, without any further ado, here is my conversation with PHNX Sun Devils beat reporter, Anthony Totri. Joining me now on the DMBR Buffs podcast, or I guess on the PHNX Sun Devils podcast, for those listening over there, my name is Jake Schwanitz. I've got Anthony Totri. Am I pronouncing that right, man? Yes, sir. Beautiful. Uh, he, as I said, is at PHNX Sun Devils. Of course, the Buffs welcoming in the Sun Devils to Folsom Field this weekend. Lots of storylines to get into, two interim head coaches, two teams that have been struggling throughout the year, man. Um, how do you feel about the Sun Devils going into this uh, game? Yeah, I think if it was any other opponent than the Buffs, it would be a little bit different. I think going into last week against Stanford, the expectation was that they would walk away with a win, especially coming off a of bye week and then the week before beating a ranked Washington team. But going into this week, man, it's it's all kind of up in the air. No one really knows who's going to be starting at quarterback. It's between Emory Jones and then Trenton Borgay. The two have been kind of splitting reps so far this week at practice. Um, but I don't really anticipate them naming a starter until we get to kickoff. So it should be pretty interesting leading up to the game. Uh, but in terms of this team, man, it is a team that has definitely fought with interim coach Sean Aguano. Definitely, from my perspective, they're playing a little bit harder than they were for Herm over the last couple of games. Um, so I think this is definitely a get-right game for them. Um, but I think they learned last week after Stanford, you can't really take any opponent in college football too lightly. Yeah, we've been talking about the Sun Devils a little bit. We've been recapping the Pac-12 all season long and been keeping a close eye on everyone. That was a huge win with Bourget over Washington. What way would you lean that they think or that you think they go in quarterback? Is it going to be Emory Jones or Bourget? just from what you think? From my perspective, I think Emory Jones gives you a little bit more from a athlete talent perspective. Uh, but after what I've seen from Emory over the course of the season and just specifically these last couple of weeks, I think you got to roll with Trenton. Um, at this point, it's become a lot of an audition for Aguano to get this permanent job. I don't really know how it is over in Colorado with that interim coach. Um, but right now, Aguano has won over a lot of the fan base with just things that he said in pressers, bringing back some of the old traditions that Herm kind of got away with. Um, so at this point, his big, his big statement has been he wants to recruit kids locally, right? So he's, he's all about that. And if it comes down to a toss up between Borgay and Emory Jones, I think he's got to look at, you know, that bigger picture of Borgay is an Arizona kid. So that furthers his narrative of the team being able to win with those kinds of those athletes here. 
And whichever quarterback he rolls with this week, I think it's more of a, like I said earlier, a get right game, right? Like Colorado doesn't necessarily have what some of the other defenses in the Pac-12 possess. So it would be a little bit of a let's build a confidence game, whether that be for Emory or Borgay. I think this week kind of sets up the quarterback position for the rest of the season. But like the same with you, I know for Colorado, it's been kind of a, a carousel of quarterbacks at times this season. What's the expectation for them this week? It's it's tough right now. Owen McCown got hurt in that Cal game where Colorado got their first one of the season. Uh, he was pulled out, I think it was middle of the third quarter. He was a game-time decision last week going into Oregon State. It was announced actually on Thursday before the game that JT Shrout was going to be starting. It's kind of the same case again this week. We don't really know what Owen's status is. He's been limited at practice. Um, Coach Sanford said it was a throwing injury, but nothing with the arm, more so like a midsection core injury that's affecting his motion. And so you have to worry about that just for the long term of the program. It seems like JT Shrout has... I guess, taking over the backup quarterback job, Brendan Lewis transferred out. It was a really rough performance for him against Oregon State, but uh seems like if I had to guess, JT Shroud's going to get the shot again this week for uh, the Buffs. Okay. Well, I don't know, man. It, it's it's going to be an interesting – I think it's going to be an interesting matchup because at this point you've it, – as painful it is to say, right, I think Arizona State has a, has a talented roster in terms of the Pac-12, but just judging off of – performance right that's all that we can really go mm-hmm. off of at this point it feels like these are the the two bottom teams in the Pac-12 I know Colorado had their their one win of the season against Cal um, but it, it still feels like that program is just a little bit away away from you know kind of getting right how much yeah. would a win over Arizona State kind of I don't want to say put the put the program back on the map but maybe just get it back on track a little bit well, Mike Sanford's done a real good job coming in as an interim head coach, bringing a lot of energy and changing that for the program. I think that's something that under Carl Durrell, this program was void of. Um, and one of his big things has been joy playing the game too. I mean, these guys went through a lot with Carl Durrell. And Mike Sanford has them playing good football at times, um, but they're enjoying themselves, I think is the main thing. So a win over Arizona State would kind of sustain some of the momentum that they built in that win over Cal but I think it's all remaining in perspective for the Buffs and uh, Boulder. They know that they're one of the worst teams in the conference. They know that there's a lot of work to do, that this is a huge moment just in terms of the program with the hiring of a new head coach. I mean, I'm sure it's the same thing with Arizona State. So it would be, I think it's similar perspectives. I mean, Colorado sees this as a very winnable game too. They saw Cal as the same thing. And they've got a brutal November stretch. They have to win this game if they want to kind of sustain that momentum. And if Mike Sanford wants to sustain that momentum to build his case to be the next head coach. Yeah. I think from, from my perspective, just covering this team. Um, and again, I'm not there out in the day to days for, for Colorado. So I don't necessarily know what that's like, but just watching some of these games, it feels like a lot of Colorado's games have gotten away from them rather quickly versus Arizona state. And this has been the trend with Arizona State for for years on end now is they play up and down to their competition as good as anybody in the conference. But when it comes down to crunch time, they kind of fumble it away. The one thing that I'm interested to see and I'd love to get your opinion on is this week is going to be a completely new offense for Arizona State. The struggles against Stanford have kind of forced the hand of interim coach Sean Aguano. 
So he went from Monday saying that he was going to be very, very involved in the offensive play calling, which again, Glenn Thomas, the offensive coordinator has been calling the plays since then. Um, but from everything we've heard and seen in practice, this will be the first time that Arizona state is running some no huddle offense um, over the course of the last two and a half, three, four years. So how do you think Colorado is going to be able to handle an offense a that they haven't seen um, because there is no tape on ASU running this style of aggressive, no huddle offense and B just a different pace of offense with a quarterback that they're not sure who's going to even be out there. Yeah. Mike Sanford actually talked about Iguano's comments um, earlier in the week about Iguano's press conference in Sanford's press conference on Tuesday. And he was really reading in between the lines of all that thing of all that stuff. He doesn't really know what to expect um, with this defense though. They're kind of in a similar boat. I mean, Gerald Chapman took over as defensive coordinator once uh, Carl Durrell and defensive coordinator, Chris Wilson were fired. And it's been, there has been a scheme shift. They've been playing a lot more um, three-man fronts. They'll drop the linebackers down on the line, play some five-man fronts with that too. But it's tough to say what, they have gone against some quick offenses. They've opened up against TCU. So they were kind of exposed to that no huddle, fast-paced offense. But not seeing it from Arizona State side is going to be a huge wrench in this game. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just two both sides of the ball, honestly. I don't know what Arizona state could really expect from Colorado defensively too, because they've been trying to make so many changes scheme wise and position wise. Um, it's really just an unknown. I think on both sides, it's going to be one of the more interesting matchups in this football game is that side of the ball going against each other. Yeah. I think it's going to be a toss up at least, at least yeah. I think the first quarter will probably tell you all you need to know between these two teams and whoever runs away with the first quarter, it's probably going to be the one to run away with the game. That's how Colorado games have gone all year, man. Um, in that game against Cal, you got the feeling it was close. It was close to breaking open at a certain point where Colorado was struggling offensively, but um, it was close all game. I mean, that's how TCU unfolded too, though. They just kind of pulled away in the second half. Uh, the buffs were hanging around in the first half. It's just the turnovers to start the game have been cr- uh, critical for the buffs. They've really ruined any type of offensive game plan. Um, it's ruined a lot of things with those turnovers. I'm interested. You spoke about Iguano's comments and stuff that he's changing. How much can he change? Do you think you had a game last week? You don't have a bye week to really install a lot of these changes. How quickly and how much do you think the Sun Devils could change for this week? From, from again, what we've seen in practice, it is quite literally gone from a team that huddles constantly to a team that is in the midst of working out signaling. Um, and signals to ensure that they don't necessarily have to huddle on a regular basis in the game. Um, so when Iguano said that they are going to be ramping up the offense, he was very clear and, and clearly that's the approach they've taken. That's kind of the approach that he's had since he was named the interim coach. He's treated this very much like an audition for that permanent job. Like I said, bringing back traditions that Sun Devil fans haven't seen for, for a long time, um, you know, not being afraid to make the necessary changes to ensure that the program gets on track a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been interesting. Um, it's been impressive. And I'll tell you what, man, I know this guy has only won one game so far in that interim span, but you got to look at the teams they've played, right? Like his very right. first game was they had Utah, then USC, then Washington, and he was able to get away with the Washington win. Obviously the Stanford one point loss hurts, especially with the way it ended only losing by a single point. Um, but this guy, man, he brings in a lot of confidence, a lot of energy. And you mentioned, you know, Colorado struggles 
with, with turning the ball over. This is a team in Arizona state that I believe has forced an interception in 15. I want to say 15 straight games carrying over the last season. Um, and if Borgay starts, you look back at that Washington game. I don't think they've done a better job all season long than when Borgay was in there utilizing the weapons that they have. Xavier Valade, to, to my point, is still one of the best running backs in the conference. Elijah yep. Badger is an up-and-coming young receiver um, who went over 100 yards receiving in a touchdown last week. Um, so there's definitely a lot of talent on this offense and the defense, to be quite frank, as well. Their issue is just being able to get those guys the football and then defensively putting those guys in the right spots you touched on the defense let's talk about them uh coach Sanford in his press conference on Tuesday pointed out Nesta Jade Silvera the transfer from Miami as a guy who's really been impactful on the defense if you could just tell us about him and any other defensive players that we should watch out for yeah man there's a term here at PHNX specifically on the Sun Devil show that we like to use a lot Nesta Jade Silvera is a dog my God, that guy is an absolute beast up front. The ASU defensive line now has struggled at times to really force pressure um, on opposing quarterbacks. But when it comes to the run game, if there's been one, one guy along that defensive line that's been able to at least create some havoc, it's him. And you, you see all of his experience playing in another conference. This is a guy that if you let him, he will 100% take advantage of a weak offensive line. Um, kind of in that second level, though, is really where ASU shines. You got Kyle Soley and Merlin Robertson, Robertson and Soley, both, I believe, five-year players at Arizona State. Um, Merlin having a little bit of a different career, a guy who's really been in the mix since his freshman year, whereas Kyle has had to work his way up the ranks. But Kyle, I believe, is third in the FBS in total tackles right now. Um, so a guy that just flies to the ball. Now, the other side of that is... They're allowing opposing running backs and players to get to that second level. It's not necessarily like Merlin and Kyle are making these plays behind the line of scrimmage, uh, but those two can be game wreckers as well. I believe Kyle Soli has two interceptions on the season. They both came in one, weeks one and week two. Um, and then you get to the secondary is really where there's some question marks. Um, Jordan Clark is really the guy back there that is the leader of that secondary. He's had an interception in ASU's last two games. Um, and he can just make plays absolutely a student of the game. Um, and then outside, outside the numbers, you look at a guy like Roe Torrance who transferred in from Auburn over the off season, big lengthy corner reminds me a lot of, you know, the former Seahawks, um, cornerback, Brandon Browner, just an yeah. absolutely big, you know, they call the Seahawks corners avatars out there, but like, that's what this guy <laughs> is. He's really that big. He's that lengthy. He had his best game of the season against Stanford. Um, so he is definitely, when he is on, he's definitely capable of shutting down, um, a, a team's opposing number one receiver outside of those two guys though. It's a little bit of a question mark. We had the Markham brothers transfer out as soon as Iguano was named the interim coach and Herm was let go. Isaiah Johnson, I believe he missed last week's game. Um, didn't even travel with the team because he had been late to practice a couple times over the course of the last couple, couple weeks. Um, so it, it's really a mixed bag with that ASU defense, but I'm interested to see if ASU is able to get away with a little bit of a lead and force Colorado to have to throw the ball. Um, if they can just find some pressure, man, because outside of Nesta on that, you know, that front line, Omar Norman lot, when he's been healthy has been a little bit of a, a, a game breaker as well on that defensive line, but it's a matter of him staying healthy. 
it's it's I'd like to take the over. If I'm betting on this game, I'm taking the over. Okay. I don't think there's going to be a lot of defense on either side, to be honest with you. That's a fair take. The only rebuttal I have to that is Colorado offensively has just really struggled at times. They've been really banged up at running back recently. They had true freshman Anthony Hankerson, who kind of came in, uh, started playing later in the year. I think he started playing against Arizona. So this was two games, three games ago. Sorry. Um, he ends up re-aggravating an injury that held him out a lot of time in the offseason um, against Oregon State on the play that he fumbled. They're also dealing with multiple injuries with Alex Fontenot and Deion Smith at running back. Uh, we already talked about JT Shrout, too. So I really think that Arizona, if they're able to generate some pressure and if that back end's able to hold up, um, they're going to come away with some picks, I think. And JT's shown he can put the he's willing to put the ball at risk. It's just part of his game. Yeah. So um I do like the overcall for a sneaky overcall, but I'm just I'm just worried about this Colorado offense. This game feels very much like uh, what gives first. Is it the the movable object or the stoppable force? It, it's right. it's going to be interesting to see which side gives first. I will say, like I've mentioned earlier, I think Arizona State has the talent. I think they have a very talented roster. It's just a matter of these coaches being able to put them in the right position. That's what I'm and I think everybody here and within the Arizona State fan base is excited to see because I'll tell you what, man, after watching Glenn Thomas call some of these plays over the last couple of weeks, it just leaves you with your head scratching. Um, hmm. My like he'd run the ball on third and six and he'd throw it on third and one. Didn't matter the, the position on the field. It was just very questionable play calls, um, especially in that second half. They weren't able to score a single point. Stanford won 15 yeah. to 14. Didn't have to score a touchdown. All it, it took five field goals to win a college football game last week in the Pac-12. Um, so, look, I will I will 100% say that I think Arizona State has the edge on talent, um, but there have been games this season, Eastern Michigan, Stanford, where they had the talent edge there, and it ended up in a loss. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Yep. It is homecoming weekend for the Buffs, so you can expect Folsom Field to be packed and really rowdy. Coach Sanford talked about trying to recreate the atmosphere they had against Cal. Um, that was another, it was family weekend for Colorado. So a lot of people were in town for that. And they ended up selling out the stadium for that game. Uh, ended up rushing the field, as I'm sure a lot of people saw. Um, let's talk about these lines, though. Going into this game, Colorado has been heavily disrespected by the odds makers. They have the Sun Devils as 13 point favorites right now. What side would you lean on there? I would probably take. I'd take the Sun Devils to cover. Um, I think this is a team in their best performances has looked really good. You look at that first half against USC, by far their best half of football that they've played. You look at the, the, the game against Washington, a game that a lot of people would have written them off as soon as Emory Jones went down and Borgay came in. Um, if this offense is able to get rolling, which again, is the big question mark with Sean Aguano calling plays this week. If they're able to get going, I think they win this game by three touchdowns and more. Um, if we get an offense that stalls, if we get an offense that is unable to simply get into the red zone or convert some of those drives into touchdowns, which they've had trouble doing, settling for field goals a lot of times, um, then I would see taking the Colorado in a sneaky backdoor cover. Um, but... I have to believe that the talent, the talent doesn't fail the Sun Devils two weeks in a row and they're able to cover this week. 
That's good analysis. I think I'm on the same side. I mean, Colorado's only covered one game this year. It was the game against Cal. They ended up winning that outright as 14 and a half point dogs. But as you mentioned, the talent difference, I think still looms pretty large for Colorado. I think they know that going into a a lot of these games and it's been challenging for a lot of their coaches, especially the new guys at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Um, you're just, you can't really get into what you want to do when the talent is just not playing up to par. I'm sure you've seen a lot of that at Arizona state. Also, I do think if I had to pick a side, I go minus 13 Arizona state. Um, as you mentioned, Colorado, maybe if they find some offensive momentum, a backdoor covers in play, but I just think that especially if Bourget plays that Arizona state has the talent advantage going offense versus Colorado's defense. And Colorado has shown that they really struggled defensively a lot of times. Um, Plummer was a guy for Cal who really kind of stood back there, didn't do much. I think Emory Jones, if he got in this game too, could cause some problems for this defense. That was really what gave them issues against TCU is all the running quarterbacks. So I'm with you. I think if I had to pick minus 13 Arizona State is where I would go. Sorry, Buff Nation. <laughs> but it's it's just been that kind of season. Yeah. It's tough, man. It is absolutely tough. Both of these teams, I I know the expectations weren't necessarily to the moon for either one of these teams, especially with a Pac-12 that it has, you know, a rebuilt USC this year, has a strong Mm -hmm. Oregon team, UCLA, um, kind of surprising to people as well. Um, But the expectations have definitely been at least five, six wins. Here we are, two teams, you know, ASU with two, fumbled the bag against Eastern Michigan and Stanford, and then Colorado who has been, you know, it just feels like every week you you check the Pac-12 scoreboard and it's a team that's just getting bludgeoned by somebody else. Um, so I think both these teams really, really desperate to just get at least one more win kind of as the season carries on because it doesn't get any easier for either one of these teams. 100%. The Pac-12 is so much better at the top and in the middle this year. The bottom is really bad. But as you yeah. said, I think Colorado definitely sees this as their last chance to win. Let's talk about head coaches real quick before we get out of here. Who, who is on your short list? Give me like three, four, five guys maybe that you would love to see as the head coach at Arizona State. Oh, man, that's tough. Um, there have been a lot of rumors surrounding Urban Meyer, Deion Sanders, Matt Rule. Um, I will be the first person to tell you that I don't see any, any combination of those three coming to Arizona State. None of them really make a whole lot of sense. Um, there's been people in the athletic department that have straight up said urban Meyer is not coming here. Um, so that's probably not happening. I would say your best bet at this point is Aguano is able to do something real special here over the next couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe do something really crazy against UCLA, um, and then win the territorial cup against Arizona. I think he'll have a fair shake at this job when it's all said and done. Uh, but there are a lot of, lot of people that are really riding the Kenny Dillingham trade. Um, which for mm. people that don't know, he is the offensive coordinator at Oregon. Yeah, What he was able to do just last week against UCLA, I think was really impressive. And overall for Oregon, ASU has been dying, dying and craving an offensive mind, somebody a little bit younger, somebody that can really connect with what college football is right now and what it can become. And I think Kenny Dillingham is probably that guy for a lot of people here. So you look at him, you look at Aguano, and there also have been rumors of, the man himself, Scott Frost, um, uh. who I don't think a lot of people in Tempe would absolutely <laughs> love to have. However, Frost has been at a few Arizona State practices since he was fired over at Nebraska. Um, mm, interesting. So there, you know, there were rumors of 
Scott Frost, you know, he's good friends with Iguano, et cetera. However, when your name is being tossed around for the head coaching job, I don't necessarily know if you're bringing in another potential head coach as a friend. So we'll see what happens there. But realistically, those are probably the three people that you'll hear the most of in the offseason about getting this job is Sean Aguano, Scott Frost, and then the, the unicorn, Kenny Dillingham. I love all of that, man. Those are all names we've talked about in Colorado. Same thing. Urban Meyer, we've, we immediately dismissed that one. Deion <laughs> Sanders, Dion would be fun, but it's just not realistic, I don't think. And I absolutely love that you brought up Kenny Dillingham. He's been my guy, too, that I think Colorado should really take a chance on and do their homework on and try and get him in the building. Just his yeah. background as a recruiter, as you mentioned, as a play caller against uh, UCLA and just what he's done to make Bo Nix look really good at Oregon. He's at the top of my list. Kenny Dillingham is um, another guy that we've talked a lot about is Garrett Riley at TCU for this job, possibly yep. um, Gary Patterson's been another one that's thrown around a lot and Bronco Mendenhall too. So uh, it's interesting to find Colorado and Arizona state kind of going after the same names. I mean, I figured this would happen, um, but it seems like it's going to be a dogfight in the PAC 12 to kind of get back to relevancy. Dude, I would love Riley as well. Absolutely love an offensive mind like that. Let's make a deal. You, you have one. We'll take the other. Okay. <laughs> That's beautiful. We can handle that. <laughs> all right, Anthony. Thank you so much for joining us. Shout out to all you on the PHNX Sun Devils side. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, let's do it again for basketball season. What do you say? Yes, sir. I imagine the conversation will be a little bit different, though. Hopefully so. <laughs> At least for Colorado's case, we'll be a little bit more positive. Absolutely. All right, Anthony. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Take care. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you, man. And there it is. Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. Lots of fun stuff that we talked about, and I really enjoyed talking to Anthony. We will be sure to get him back on the show when we get into basketball season and the Buffs and Sun Devils play against each other. Also might do something with him too once the Sun Devils and Buffs have their new head coaches. It was fun talking to him about that stuff. Before we wrap up today's show though, I want to talk to you guys about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Green Mountain Dental has been a supporter of DMVR staff since the very beginning and have had countless fans and our own staff convert to Green Mountain Dental and never look back. They're located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver in Lakewood. Dr. Ben and his team have you covered from general dentistry like regular cleanings, orthodontics, such as removing those pesky wisdom teeth and everything in between. Green Mountain Dental has a few offers from the DMVR fam. Tell the team that DMVR Sports sent you and get a $300 discount for a full orthodontics treatment for new patients. And or if you mention DMVR Sports, you get a free set of bleach trays, a $350 value with a new patient cleaning exam and x-rays. They're also looking for full and part-time positions that are available. They're willing to work with your schedule as well as offering great benefits and healthcare and PTO. To make an appointment or find more information, check out their website at greenmountaindentalgroup.com today. I have some more stats that we didn't really talk about, just some team stats, and then I pulled up our guy Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview guide for this week's game. In terms of when Arizona has the ball, they are pretty mediocre in terms of overall offensive talent and ability so far. They're 90th in passing yards per game at 218.4. The Buffs actually in 56th place in terms of passing yards per game against at 219.6. Those numbers very close on both sides there. In terms of running the ball, ASU 88th in the nation in rushing yards per game at 135.1. The Buffs, that average, keeps on being a big issue. Last week, Oregon State ran for 270-plus on the Buffs, nearly wiping out everything that they did against Cal. 
to affect their average. They dropped down to 130th in rushing yards per game against with 253.7. That matchup with Xavier Valaday in the Buffs front seven is going to be huge. In terms of turnovers, ASU pretty good at keeping control of the football. 74th in turnovers per game. That's 1.4 per game average. The Buffs only creating one turnover per game on average exactly. That puts them at 120th in the nation. In terms of points per game, so Arizona offense is averaging 25 per game. That puts them at 93rd. The Buffs allowing 38.7 points per game. That puts them at 129th in the nation. Flipping over to the other side of the ball when the Buffs are on offense, still some bad numbers, guys. Sorry to say. The Buffs are 114th in passing yards per game. It's only 176.6. They are 96th, uh, are going up against the 96th defense in terms of passing yards against per game at 252.9 from the Sun Devils. Rushing the ball for the Buffs really kind of been their strong suit, only just above their passing yard per game average in terms of where they rank in the country at 113, averaging 109.6 yards per game on the ground. Arizona's defense, decent against the rushing game. We kind of talked about uh, their big D tackle who's going to play a big role in this football game. That places Arizona State at 81st in the rushing yards per game average with 154.1. In terms of turnovers, the Buffs have been sloppy. Don't have to tell you guys that. They're 114th in turnovers per game with two per game. Arizona's defense, 101st in the country in turnovers forced per game at 1.1. In terms of points per game for the Buffs, still hanging around that 13-point mark at 13.7. That's near bottom of the country at 129th. Arizona State, Allowing 28 points per game at 79th in the country. Decent, but not great. Looking at our guy Parker Fleming's advanced stat preview, the spread is set at 13. Arizona State projected to score 37 points. The Buffs projected to score 22. Arizona State given an 85.99. Bumped that up to 86% win probability for this game. There's a lot of red on this chart, guys. None of these teams have been very impressive in terms of anything on both sides of the ball. So this is where you get the, the thinking that the Buffs stand a chance in this game. Some numbers that stood out to me, though, in terms of offensive success rate when rushing the ball, the Buffs are actually 48th in the country at 42.1% uh, success rate. Everything else is all in the red across the board, um, except when you go to Arizona State in terms of defense. Their defense is being put into good position when in terms of uh, field position, starting drive against. Um, they're averaging 28.9, assuming that means that the opposing offense is starting around their 28-29 yard line. That's good for 50th in the country. So something to monitor there. If the Buffs can get short fields against this Arizona State defense, that, I mean, obviously increases the probability of scoring more points, but especially so given the analytics and looking at these numbers, nothing really good on the buffs in terms of offensive or defensive uh, efficiency numbers. Of course, a lot of that is so skewed from those first five games, but that Oregon State, Oregon State game did not help. If you are interested in this graph, head on over to my Twitter at JakeDMVR or the Beat Twitter at DMVR underscore buffs should have retweeted this graphic on both of those pages, probably sometime around Tuesday or Wednesday. So you might have to dig a little on both of those timelines. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed this week's preview. Again, special thanks to Anthony Totri for joining me. Really enjoyed talking to him. We will be sure to do that more throughout the season. Some long podcasts for you guys this week. Hopefully you enjoyed them. We went over 40 minutes 
both on Wednesday and on uh, Monday. This one is going to be easily over 30 minutes, uh, so a decent preview we got here. We will be back hopefully talking about a Buffs win on Saturday night after the game. Until then, guys, make sure you check out the Twitters and uh, get your thoughts in there on our post-game tweet so that you can get your tweet read on this show. Until Saturday evening, Sunday morning, Scobuffs. Buffs.